0: What up, podcast listeners? This is Jordan on the pod chat. I'm joined here today, a new co-host. Y'all heard Quinn on the previous episodes, but now we have Roger Brandstetter. Roger, say what's up. What's up? Um, Roger, me and him go back not too far. We're not exactly college buddies, but we uh, became really good friends after the fact. Uh, He's repping Madison right now. Um, Again, this is... Podchat, the podcast that is based off of your conversations that you might have in some group messages, um, just some random topics of discussion, Uh, trying to see if this relates to you guys. Again, I want to thank my buddy Ryan McCrum for letting us uh, play in that intro music. Today, me and Roger are going to discuss some video games, specifically Destiny 2, because we're all about Destiny right now. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about TV, uh, some of the Emmy conversations a little bit later, and maybe dive into politics towards the end. Um, But Roger, Destiny 2, what are you thinking so far?
1: My initial take is that it's a fantastic game. So... Uh, you and my friends and family, pretty much anyone that knows me knows that I loved Destiny 1 uh, throughout pretty much its entire life. I got into it um, the Christmas after it released. I believe it was uh, September or October release. Um, I uh, ordered it via Gamefly and ended up keeping it uh, throughout the duration. Uh, bought the disc from Gamefly and then promptly canceled Gamefly because it was the only game that I was playing. Uh, so I'm not coming from a place of, of neutrality in reviewing this game, but, uh, in, in playing it and trying some other shooters, it's, it feels very much like destiny one in terms of the mechanics, uh, the gunplay is fantastic and they've made a number of quality of life improvements, um, over destiny one. And, uh, I like many video game reviewers, um, that podcasts that I listen to, um, I think the graphics are vastly improved over Destiny One, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I was um, I was a little late to the Destiny One train. Um, I really just got it for Christmas 2016, so I was a little late to that. And you played with me and Quinn, uh, friend of the pod chat. I didn't really get too much of the story there with destiny because we were just kind of going through trying to get the, the level up and the light level. Um, what sort of like differences do you notice in terms of the story? Cause now I'm starting to pay attention to the destiny Two story. Cause I'm kind of going through it kind of slow. Uh, what are the main differences or what might be better or worse?
1: Well, um, i think I would echo the vast majority of anyone who's played Destiny, um, in saying that Destiny Two actually has a story. So you hit on it in talking yeah. about Destiny One. I mean, you and Quinn started at around the same time and really the first like I got the story, but um personally I had to go online and look up a lot of the lore, a lot of the story to even understand like the enemies we were fighting. Like there was these random robots that were on Mars and Venus, but no one really knew why they were there, and I mm-hmm. think uh, a lot of the Destiny community is kind of, they're apologists for Bungie, I mean the gameplay really is so good for Destiny 1 that it made up for the lack of a story uh, and Destiny 2 uh, they've made a lot of improvements as far as the storytelling, it gets back to Bungie's um, Halo storytelling arc almost, in terms of um, strong protagonists that you care about. Um, there's compelling enemies, there's cutscenes. Um, again, the graphics are outrageous. Um, and it really gives you some stakes in the fight, whereas in Destiny One, it really didn't. Um, you're chasing a mysterious stranger. you're going to the black garden and defeating the the heart in the black garden,
0: which is just this big, amorphous black blob. Uh, <laughs> Sounds fun.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I liked it, but also it didn't appeal to a lot of people. So I'm glad that Bungie has really patched up their storytelling. Um, they made it appeal to a lot more people, and I think um, putting some of the lore in the game is a huge step forward, so people don't have to go online and look up the grimoire cards like they did for Destiny 1 to figure out, okay, I got this exotic gun. I have no idea why... It's so cool, and why I should want it. Whereas in two, you hold down L two or whatever it is on Xbox, and it pulls up this page, and you can look at this quote, and it kind of gets you into the game a little bit more.
0: Yeah, see, I played a lot of Halo, like when I was in middle school and high school, and that was kind of the the shooter that I was really into. The thing Me about too, man. yeah, see, the thing about that game though was that. This was not in the heyday of online gaming, so it wasn't like everything had to be connected to the internet in order to play, and they really did have to have, like, a substantial story to it. Um, So I think that might be my favorite part so far is being able to go through the story. And if you're not a huge, um, you know, shooter video game player like myself, I'm usually more into, like, the Madden or the 2K then it makes you feel like it's kind of worth playing rather than hopping online and getting killed by somebody 16 times in a row before you might get a lucky, you know, grenade throw in there.
1: Yes, I like that there is a base story where you're fighting the the Cabal, the big guy named Gaul. Um, It kind of tells you why he's so scary. It's because he blows up planets and systems. Um, and there's these other adventures within the game, which you can do basically at any time. Um, I just leveled up my second char- character. Sorry, I jumped a little bit out of you.
0: <laughs> That's all and, right.
1: <laughs> uh, and it kind of gives you these side stories. Um, on one of the planets, uh, I think it was Nessus, there's this adventure you've gone, which is just like another word for like a, a campaign mission that is not part of the like, main storyline and there's some dialogue and you get the idea that there's going to be this thing a leviathan a planet eating thing coming towards the planet and lo and behold a week later that's the raid it's this huge ship that eats planets so it's not just to pump up other material in the game like the raid but um i don't know there's stuff on other planets that harkens back to destiny one, um, just talks a little bit more about some of the major players. I think it's pretty cool. And, um, if it's only Easter eggs for D one players, I appreciate that, but I think it's pretty good storytelling. Um, there's interesting mechanics that are involved in those that are different than the regular story. I don't know. I think it's a really good game. I think the only improvements, um, that they can make to D two right now, um, are probably in the PvP arena, in the Crucible. Um, it's just not very balanced right now, but I think a lot of it will normalize with time as more people get more guns, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like in the beginning stages right now, so you have people who are a little bit more hardcore, who I'm sure are at level, what is it, 400 light, level 40, a bunch of different weapons, and then you got you know kind of your casual player like myself who has owned the game for about three days now and I've played maybe an hour and a half total in game time
1: (laughs) oh yeah for sure I think that is one of the stronger aspects of destiny um both in destiny one and two but it certainly is stronger in two um there is something for everyone so if you're really into like call of duty I'm gonna go online and play against other players that are similar power to me they have competitive matchmaking so you'll Generally, it sounds like I'm selling the game, which I don't want it to sound like. It's not a perfect game, but
0: free advertising. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no kidding. Hey, Bungie, at me. Uh, there, if you're a, a casual, a self-confessed casual like yourself, um, there's the storyline. There's these these loot caves where it's essentially just single encounters where you fight a hundred-ish bad guys and a boss, and they're not particularly difficult, but you can get geared to level up pretty easily um i don't know there's a lot of stuff and if you're hardcore enough to check out the raid um i went into that blind the other day uh with five other completely random dudes um so we go into this mission and um it's the biggest level i've ever seen in a first person shooter and basically we had to explore the outside of this enormous ship to figure out how to even get in there's all these fights inside that there aren't really instructions for you just basically have to figure out how to beat them by dying a bunch of times and it was a pretty unique experience
0: yeah definitely I mean figuring it out It we've figured that out before when we were doing some what was a raid or a mission where we were just we were dying trying to figure out how to get through this timed course to unlock something and trial by error
1: Oh yeah, Uh, Yeah. that was uh, if you have any Destiny 1 fans uh, that are listening to the podcast, that was for the Black Spindle mission Uh, it's this Exotic Sniper and we had to run through this one mission in under 10 minutes and we just couldn't get it Um, I think is a combination of us being under leveled and me not explaining things well which I don't know why I'm on this podcast <laughs> uh, but we just didn't get it I think if there's anything like that in D2 they'll probably explain it a little better but I mean it's worth picking up if only for the shooting mechanics and the quality of life improvements over Destiny 1 um, It really, it's a very good AAA shooter I mean the Bungie knows how to make a game and its it's worth picking up
0: Yeah, that was one of the things, too, about Destiny 1 is, um, like, I'm not plugged into, and I'm sure a lot of people weren't, like, plugged into all the, like, Destiny Reddit and, um, you know, even having the forethought to look online to, you know, figure out how to unlock certain things or um, the easiest and best way to complete a mission, uh, something like that, get the best weapons and that i i can see that being a little bit difficult for some of the players
1: yeah i would say that's probably one of the most unique aspects i've experienced in depth in the destiny universe in destiny 1 but also i mean i've looked stuff up for destiny 2 so far um and i mean that that reddit page destiny the game reddit is unbelievable in terms of not just like the in jokes obviously which happen with i mean that's what we do in our group chat but i mean it's it's everyone who plays the game who's on this reddit which is like i mean i can look this up right now but it's hundreds of thousands of people Mm -hmm. which is just like um i'm just looking it up uh i mean that's a it's
0: an insane community
1: Sixteen thousand people
0: yeah that's a lot
1: so the other cool thing about that is when bungie does what they do and hide something in the game like um in the first game, for example, there's um, it's called the Sleeper Simulant. Is that's really, really good gun. Um, it became in vogue, especially towards the end of the game, uh, because you could put out a lot of damage per second with it. Um, so the way that you unlocked this was this very convoluted quest, and the only way that it really was discovered um, and spread so that everyone eventually knew how to unlock it was... Via, I don't know, probably 50 people on Reddit um, who are the hardest of hardcore gamers, uh, and especially for Destiny, and they would f- go into this mission and figure out the exact order you had to kill these guys in. Um, they you get this drop, and they had to figure out the exact order this code goes in. And I mean that's only one of a, f- a handful of examples of these extremely complex puzzles where Bungie puts it in game and they expect people outside the game, the fans, because they know hundreds of thousands, millions of people are buying this game. Um, They expect like a very small fraction of them to figure this out and spread the word. And that's very unique um, to any video game I've played. I know I've seen that for Fallout to some degree, but that Reddit was, in the experience that I played it, for Fallout 4, not nearly as active as Destiny's, which is, I don't know, pretty cool for Bungie.
0: Yeah, see, that small faction of people, they're just doing God's work right there. They're taking the time to do things that I'm definitely not going to be sitting there trying to figure out or dedicate hours, because not only am I a lazy video game player at times, I... I get frustrated at video games. I'm not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure, I get that. So I said the sleeper simulant example. Um, I didn't even give the actual good example that I had written down. Um, there was this gun that was within the last raid of Destiny One, um, mm-hmm. and it was a pulse rifle. And you essentially had to do you had to do the raid one time through and activate these five different. They're monitors. It, they're essentially things you go next to and you hold the uh, square button or whatever, and you turn them on. Um, but one of the monitors um, you had to access via this like this puzzle with like binary code, and the only way that you could figure this out was to like put these numbers that flash on these monitors that two people, two separate people at different parts of this raid read, and then four people in a different room would hop onto these cylinders that are on this grid and you had to do it I don't know, within five seconds of each other or some time frame to get this thing to open and then beat the raid to get all of these monitors to turn on and then you had, I don't know, seven other steps but it's just this alternate reality game that Bungie just like banked on the community being able to figure out, which is cool that they can rely on fans but also I don't know, that's a lot of faith to put in just random people to come together and figure out like that
0: yeah that's definitely like confidence in your product and you know might be playing a little bit with house money in case people decide one day that you know what we're not gonna decide to do this anymore but that also might just be part of the fun too um, now that I really think about it just being able to discover new things rather than it be so Cut and dry, you know, like the video games of the past that we're used to.
1: For sure. So, um, I think that my favorite shooter in college uh would have been Call of Duty, Modern Warfare Two. And they're really I mean, the campaign was fun, don't get me wrong, and the multiplayer was fantastic. I remember playing for like twenty six hours straight the day it came out, and night it came out. Um uh, it just didn't have a community like Destiny does, which is saying something because call of duty is obviously just a huge game that everyone at one point played Mm -hmm. so um i'm i'm pretty happy that specifically the reddit but just the destiny community in general is it's so unique among video games
0: yeah even i had call of duty yeah it was modern warfare too like even i had that in college and i didn't play it too much because again it goes back to that point i would try to go online and then i would just get slaughtered by people who have a lot more experience playing games like that and who have a lot more free time even though i was a college student with not a whole lot to do (laughs) i I don't think we
1: realized how much free time we had in college
0: (laughs) oh definitely not definitely not i wish we could go back a little bit um Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna bring up too. So, Roger, you wrote a piece a couple months ago, actually, for um, our Medium page, which is something we don't really plug too often anymore. But it's mediumcom slash print. If anybody D-E-F-I-N-E, print. wants to go, print. Yes, if anybody wants to go, you know, check out some of the things we wrote about. It's. Uh, I would say it's more tilted towards the pop culture side rather than uh, specifically, you know, sports targeting or politics, anything like that. But you did write a piece about um, Halo and a possibility for a Halo movie, or more like, yo, why is there not a Halo movie? Because they have all the chess pieces in place for one. <laughs> Do you Why think...
1: is there not a Halo movie? There's not a good reason. It's one <laughs> of the most popular franchises of all time. Uh there's a I mean, Microsoft's Xbox system has Master Chief in every single commercial that it has. I think you had a question. I'm sorry. I had to
0: <laughs> Oh no. Well that brings up another good point too. Why not just you know, hire some sort of A-list actor, you, you can CGI Master Chief, you know? He doesn't even have to be on, um, on a He's stage. He's essentially the Iron Man. I mean, yeah, exactly. You can RDJ it, you know, have him be in a green screen with a camera on his face the entire time. Um, but I was going to say, do you think Destiny, now that they're kind of uh, working with D2, um, working that storyline a little bit. Do you think they have room or some flexibility to market this into a like a Hollywood franchise?
1: Um, that's a pretty tough question. I would say no. Generally, um, Destiny is, I think, a little bit less. Uh, I guess I would say it's a little bit less publicly talked about than the Halo franchise was. Um, That's fair. Especially, I mean there's five main Halo games there's two Destiny ones and I, I mean Destiny's been out for three years um, and then D2 will be out for probably three or four years um, it just doesn't have the longevity or the I think it has the fan base but if you're going to do a video game movie I think it has to be almost like an iconic series so Halo I think has that appeal to me uh, where it seems like okay, this is this entity that's been around for a decade plus. There's all these people. If you say, I don't know, if I try to explain what Destiny is to people, I'll say, oh, it's this, it's the studio that made Halo. You know, Halo, and people will know what that is. So I think like Tomb Raider makes sense. That's pretty iconic. Um, Resident Evil, people know what that is. Um, yeah. Doom, that made sense. I'm a little surprised there isn't a Wolfenstein movie, to be completely honest. Uh, they did a Mario movie. I just don't think that Destiny quite is at that level. Um, it would be interesting, I think, but there's also um, the issue within the Destiny universe that there are just like a thousand stories that you could tell, and it's I think it would be really hard to tell one specific story. I mean, even if you were to look at Destiny 1, like, okay, this guy got reanimated and fought... I don't know. It's just, it's very convoluted. And even to explain what the story in Destiny 1 is, you have to pretty much pull out a dictionary, plop it on the table, and say, okay, this is what this race is. This is why they are the way they are. This is another race. Uh, oh, and there's this raid that, uh, it's just a lot of stuff to explain. Uh, it'd be like a World of Warcraft movie almost, but I think that World of Warcraft might even be a little bit easier to tell just because i mean it's orcs and humans i mean there's not six different races and all these planets it's a little bit more high fantasy than sci-fi I don't
0: Bas- know. basically you're saying it, it would do really well in china
1: exactly yeah it'd be huge in china <laughs> um,
0: i think with like going back to your point about um, like the tomb raiders and the resident evils I- I would even say there's there might even be like a generation of people out there now who can look at those movies and see those movies as more like a, a separate entity from the video games themselves. Like Angelina Jolie kind of made the Laura Croft character uh, pretty well known and famous in the pop culture lexicon because uh, there was a lot of talk about the the recasting and who should play and Laura Croft in the reboot. Um, Resident Evil kind of just feels like it's um, kind of like in the Underworld-ish genre or Silent Hill um, in that they're more just horror movies now.
1: Um, yeah, but with, I also with think it's Hill much name. easier to make a horror movie than it is to make like a, a, a drama. So, I mean, like Doom or Resident Evil is going to be a lot more successful than something that tries to succeed like a Mario Brothers, which as we all know flopped horribly and isn't looked upon particularly fondly
0: uh i would watch that again just to just to get some laughs uh the rock is making a rampage movie though i'm pretty turned for that
1: yeah in discussing this i pulled up a uh best video game movie ranked from best to worst of all time somehow assassin's creed which i uh, I never saw it actually it's on that edge for me where it like I loved the first three Assassin's Creeds, but then fell off. I don't know if it should. The first one I think could definitely be a movie. First two could be a movie, but I'm not. Shh. I didn't see it, and it got panned. I'm good. I don't really need to see it. Uh, were you in or out on Need for Speed? I, I know was your fan of Fast and Furious, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I mean, it kind of felt a little bit like the first the fast and the furious um, I was in because I'm huge on Aaron Paul and I really want him to be a movie star um, I can see how it kind of just had its moment for maybe a weekend and then is now stuck on you know whatever FX TNT TBS um, it's definitely a movie that could probably play really well on cable because I think they I think they went for like a PG 13 Teenish rating to get you know younger audience in there so they could watch it too. There's no you know graphic sex with Imogen Poots or anything like that in there,
1: which is a shame.
0: <laughs> she is she is very cute, very cute. Um, does Lego Movie count as a video game movie, or is that
1: no, Solidly no. Although the um, the Lego Batman movie, which I'm fairly sure is a thing, I'm pretty sure that is out or I don't watch that many quote unquote kids movies in theaters. Um I think that that one would count because I mean Lego Batman was a movie or I'm sorry, a video game first. I think the Lego movie was like a like a Hot Wheels movie or like like one of those where it's it's trying to make a movie off of a toy and then they'd make a video game off of the movie which was off of a toy.
0: Yeah, I guess it was just kind of Wrapping everything up off of a certain brand it just kind of looks to me like um, i don't know I, I see a million commercials like if you have a hot ip or a hot commodity it's going to be turned into a lego you, you know like harry potter or um even fast and furious i think they have legos too for that um any sort of superhero ip marvel dc you're getting a lego video game you're getting a regular video game you're getting lego piece set to give to your kid on their birthday it's it's a whole thing so it's kind of hard for me to discern chicken or egg is it video game is it going to be you know
1: and yeah that's completely understandable and i get that um I'm looking at more of these uh, video game movies on this uh, this list.
0: Keep diving, the deep dive.
1: A little bit multitasking. Uh, Hitman, I don't think that that should have been a movie, and Never I don't know it. why it's so high on this list. Uh, Resident Evil, sure. Lara Croft, sure. House of the Dead. Eh. Dead or Alive. Wasn't that just a game so, like, teenagers could look at boobs? Right? I mean...
0: I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah.
1: Although, I guess... Maybe it was just a movie, so teenagers could look at boobs.
0: Um, I mean, that's kind of like Grand Theft Auto.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Although, you know, that double—or I'm sorry—that double—that um—that hot coffee mod was way overblown. Um, I—I'm gonna put that one at Hillary Clinton's feet. She she overblowed that, and it became a thing. And I think that was part of that was just not a good scene. I forgot what year that occurred, but it was uh, was weird that people were blaming um, video games for violence and sex on teenagers. It's like, teenagers are just weirdos. (laughs) They're going to do this stuff anyway just because a video game has it in there. Like, people have been shooting Nazis in video games, but
0: they're not shooting Nazis in real life. I mean, right? Not yet. I mean, Nazis are back. They're in vogue again. Um, The magazine? (laughs) I mean, practically, what what's that one dude's name? Um, the one crazy Nazi that they were calling a, um, a a fashion fashionista, whatever. He's I mean, he's basically a white supremacist. He's the one that keeps getting kicked off all these college campuses.
1: Not Milo, whatever plus, right? Or the other one? He's, he's just, the he's other the, one. The other uh... douchebag. It doesn't matter. It's probably better that we don't know his name or spread his name.
0: You know what? I feel better about myself for not knowing the name. So fair point. Hey, me
1: too. Kudos to us. <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah. Any any more points on Destiny Two? We kind of got off track there, but uh, want to bring I think it that's back
1: for the for the best. Um, I, I'll just go over a, a few bullet points. So, uh, Destiny Two versus Destiny One. Destiny Two has um, some fast traveling within the game so in destiny one if you went to mars venus earth um the dreadnought you could go in at one point uh, if you're going into patrol or even for most missions you get inserted into one point uh, in destiny two you can fast travel all over this i mean they're huge maps and they were huge maps in destiny one um so it's just nice to be able to get a little bit closer to missions um or if there's a public event going on, uh, which is a big thing. It's a way that you level up your subclasses so you can become a Stormcaller Warlock or a Mm -hmm. Sentinel-type. It's important to know where these public events are being held. Um, So they show up on the map and you can fast travel right to them. So that's super nice. That's maybe the biggest quality of life improvement over Destiny 1. Uh, Once you're on these maps, you can activate missions from the patrol area, so if you're just cruising around and you see a beacon, you can go do an adventure mission, which uh, I said before is essentially just like a a little tack-on to the campaign, or if you see I don't know, I mean there's the standard patrol that you can go do and kill ten guys or whatever. Um, You can activate all of that just walking around in the world, which is pretty cool. Um, You can place a tracker on the map so you know where to go um, instead of just having to like meander around uh, like I feel like you and Quinn did a little bit in Destiny 1
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you can figure out right where to go, it's super useful and then uh, you can get upgrades for these different factions um, based on location, so if you're on Earth in the European Dead Zone, there's uh, armor based specifically for that zone there are these uh, chromas or different colors, you can dye all your stuff that are based on where you are and you can get those based on like just doing work and killing a bunch of aliens on Earth or IO or Nessus or wherever you are, which is pretty cool.
0: I love shooting um, aliens.
1: Oh, it's so much fun. I think that's about all I have for Destiny 1. Or, I'm sorry, that's all I have for Destiny 2, I think. Um, it's a good game. I'm looking forward to playing it for a while. be looking forward to whatever DLC that Bungie has coming down the pipe.
0: Yes, I'm hyped. We'll have to... Hop online, uh, get the headphones going, get the sticks in order, start killing some aliens. Um, Can't can't wait. I do want to take a moment. um, We did this in the last two podcasts. Uh, Roger, as you probably assumed, and as as everybody who's listening should know, there are no sponsors to this podcast. Um, We don't have any advertisements. There's no SeatGeek. There's no meandis, there's no uh, nature box, None of that good stuff you hear from your other podcasts. Um, so in lieu of that, I wanted to take a moment in each podcast to just shout out somebody you know, doing something creative, um, you, know, trying to get a little bit more uh, traffic to whatever they're doing, whether that's creating some art. Um, we shouted out my buddy Eric, who's doing his photography photography thing, uh, E Hamilton Photography. Um, we've shouted out my new uncle, who has his catering business, uh, Smokin' Ducks Barbecue. You can still search for them on Facebook. Um, this time around, not so much a person selling a product or a service, anything like that, but I do want to shout out Roger, our good friend Bailey Kaiser. Who Bailey is, Kaiser. Yeah, she is doing MasterChef Uruguay. Um, so for those who do know listening to the podcast and those who may not know, our good friend Bailey, sister of Quinn, uh, co-host of the pod, she lives in Uruguay, so she's – is she still an American? I think so. Um, I
1: think uh, once you're an American, you're always an American.
0: Tell that to DACA. Um But, (laughs) but yeah, she's doing MasterChef Uruguay because she's a great chef. Um, I'm going to get some links maybe to attach to this to figure out the YouTube um, so people can check her out. Uh, Bailey, your friends in the United States are still rooting for you. We know that you are a really good cook. You've cooked a few meals for me and your, your little bro in college, and we've always enjoyed them. So we're rooting for you, Bailey.
1: You should see if uh, she's cool with uh, an Instagram shout-out and like that, too, because those pics that she posts uh, make me hungry on a daily basis. They are they melt my eyes. They look so
0: good. Oh, yes. They're, if you're a foodie, then you definitely got to check it out. I don't know if I want to give out her Instagram. Uh, yeah, definitely Instagram. make sure if it's cool with her first. Maybe on the next pod, Bailey. I, I don't want to get too, uh, too insensitive to your privacy, but... We are recording this podcast uh, the Tuesday after the 2017 Emmy Awards hosted by one Stephen Colbert. Um, The reception after the Emmys, the, the talk, the chatter about it, I feel like it's been more about what happened while people were there you know like the um the spicer thing and the cutting off k sterling brown or sterling k brown sorry uh nicole kidman getting you know a 20 minute monologue like she's at the oscars uh is is that kind of how you felt too
1: um yeah i definitely agree with that um i i heard a little bit of talk about handmaid's tale just like people saying that it's this cool show, uh, but that's not something that's new. I mean, we're hearing this the entire year. Um, I, I didn't really hear. I saw some congratulations for like Donald Glover, um, some mm-hmm. congratulations for like Riz Ahmed. I mean, it's it's congratulating the winners, which happens every year, but it's not really talking about any. I don't know. It. I, I would say it was more reaction based, which I think is kind of the direction our culture is heading as Ben heading um, versus talking about the merits of each show that was nominated.
0: Yeah, I think it was was this year that the Emmys really became like a show and they, they wanted people talking about the Emmys itself not, I mean as sad as it is to say like the actual people that won the awards. I mean what I've been hearing mostly is again the Sterling K. Brown cutoff um, the Sean Spicer stuff. I, what I've heard about Handmaid's Tale. I mean, it's a great show. I haven't watched it personally yet. I need to sit down and do so, but I've also been hearing the chatter around it being, Oh, well, Game of Thrones season seven isn't eligible for this year. So that's why, you know, it's leaving the door open for drama series.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that that's going to be a big thing next year. Um, it'll uh, game of thrones return to the to the emmys i think it's going to sweep a lot of categories i think part of that is because um i don't know it's just so pervasive in culture literally every tweet i see or saw i guess on game of thrones sundays were about game of thrones and i'm not a throner so that was annoying to me but i can also see that it is going to definitely win a, just a ton of awards uh next year and then um i I think the final season or whatever um is probably going to win everything it's going to win comedy
0: series (laughs) i mean i feel like that's going to be my goal in life rogers to make sure you have a a raging throner for season eight because i love game of thrones everything about it you need to watch it i'm telling you
1: yeah i'll catch up for sure um it's at some point, good. I'll catch up, but it's just not going to happen yet. I still have to finish up Atlanta, which deserves every award that it ever gets to. Ah,
0: yes. Atlanta is probably the best show um, that you can get for 30 minutes on your TV, I swear. Uh, we should
1: get I would to that. concur though. with that. Um, so I like that, Veep. Like, I like Veep. It's a good show, it's a funny show. Julie Dreyfus, I mean, she's the, one of the funniest women ever. I mean, throughout yes. history, one of the funniest women. It's In, incredible.
0: Indeed, one of the funniest people. Said, let's let's uh, let's go with that.
1: She, well, not even she. I, there's a piece on I, I think it was Grantland a couple of years ago or three years ago. Might have been a podcast, um, but it was basically just that the Emmys should not have identical winners over different years. So like the West Wing in the 90s could have won Best Drama once, but then like the other five or four, whatever it won, um, would go to a different show. Like it just goes to a different show every year. Like once a show or an actor or actress wins, director wins, um, it's pretty much acknowledged that they are worthy of this honor, but I mean, it's not like... You can get a higher, like winning multiple doesn't seem right. There's plenty of shows in any given year that deserve, like Master of None is a great show. Silicon Valley is awesome. Um, Blackish deserves it. Atlanta deserves it. Better Call Saul is worth it. Westworld is awesome. I just don't think that all of these different shows need to keep getting nominated. And Veep falls pretty squarely into this category where it's this repeat winner. And it's almost like this consensus comedy show, the way Modern Family was for a number of years, where if it's nominated, it's going to win because it isn't reaching like a Master of None or uh, an Atlanta or a Blackish is.
0: Yeah, and that's that's part of it too with the Emmys is that it, I feel like that might be why they actually were trying to get a little bit more. Uh, gimmicky, especially with um, the Spicer deal, uh, is because you know if a certain show is nominated, you just kind of know it wins. Um, again, Veep, Not saying it doesn't deserve any of the accolades that it gets, but essentially you kind of get bored of the same show winning. It's fatigue. It's like LeBron James winning the MVP every year, and then people are so sick and tired of him winning, they give it to Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think it's a little different for sports, but um, I also... I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If yeah. if there was...
0: Same example, if West Wing was still going, it would still win Best Drama Series just because... It, Rob there's, Lowe.
1: Uh, we're in peak television. We're still in peak television, we're going to be for some time. I think we should try to nominate. I mean, it's not like either of us really have any bearing on this, but... Different shows, I think, should win. Just, and it's good that Handmaid's Tale did. I'm not a Hulu guy, and I like that its message is largely anti-patriarchy. Which we're both dudes, but I mean, society is pretty much dominated by males. I think most feminists have a pretty good point. Um, And in this political environment, I think that deserved to win. But I, I don't know. Even Veep, starring a woman, very feminist show just because of that uh, it, it's just boring i don't know silicon valley is good unbreakable kimmy schmidt is good i'm just looking at this list i think they all deserve wins i don't like modern family but uh atlanta master <laughs> none for sure are f- fantastic
0: yeah uh, i mean there's oh. there's even a lot of sh- i mean there's so much content out there right now that there's i mean you might even be turned off to the Emmys if a show you truly love isn't even nominated. Like, uh, let's stick with Outstanding Comedy Series. I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one of the funniest shows on television. I cape mad hard for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, but it's not really getting nominated for awards or comedy series. Uh, I think Andy Samberg is somehow flying under the radar as a really funny dude.
1: Yeah, figure that one out. Uh, SNL star flying under the radar is just unheard of. Like, if, yeah. if any, if Jimmy Fallon somehow didn't get his show uh, on for his late night show and was not doing anything else, that would be a headline story like once a month. Like, why isn't Jimmy Fallon doing something? Mm-hmm. And I think Andy Sandberg, especially with the digital shorts he did at SNL, is very much on that level, if for no other reason than it made. SNL a little bit more YouTube-relevant, which is just a large part of, like, Internet, Twitter culture.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Underrated movie that I watched the other day um, on on HBO, I think it's still on there, is the uh, that pop star movie that Andy Samberg did. Uh,
1: Extremely funny.
0: Well, it is so funny, but I literally had nobody telling me to watch this movie, and I just watched it so I'm like, you know what? Andy Sandberg, yes. Putting this yeah, on my television.
1: I was huge. I was it very at that moment. <laughs> um,
0: but one thing I want to do here is let's let's give some um attention to the actual winners, which I don't think the Emmys did a very good job of doing. Let's talk about some of these categories, do a little rundown. Um maybe talk a little bit about the winner um you know give some props to other shows or if there's any award you kind of disagree with um you know we can talk about that too sure um outstanding drama series now i am guilty of not watching the handmaid's tale um i I don't have it's on hulu right or amazon
1: um so i didn't watch it either um, I am a very large fan of Elizabeth Moss. I think she was fan. I've seen her in two things, so I'm not that <laughs> big of a fan, but um, I-, I thought she was fantastic in Mad Men. I think everyone thought she was fantastic in Mad Men as Peggy. Uh, she yes. crushed it. Um, I previously saw her on West Wing, which, third shout out, I guess, if you talk to me, that's an occupational hazard. What's that? Uh, Rob Lowe. But she was Zoe Bartlett, the president's daughter. There's this huge storyline about her um, and Dulé Hill uh, love interest who is now on Ballers he's the the general manager for the Dolphins
0: Ballers Um, not nominated for Outstanding Drama Series Robbery I I don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) anyway what were you saying
1: um, she's just a fantastic actress. She has been for a very long time. She deserves any acclaim she gets. So it's not yes. like I disagree with this. I loved Westworld, though. That was, I think, what I probably would have picked for Drama Series if the vote was only to me, which wouldn't make it a vote, I guess.
0: Yeah, so kind of a slow TV-watching uh, season for me. Um, I'm actually working my way through Westworld right now. Pretty intriguing stuff. Um I did watch House of Cards. House of Cards maybe losing its um, maybe losing its peak form a little bit. It was kind of confusing, and I wasn't really all that fully invested in it. Stranger Things, though, I watched Stranger Things in one day on a weekend. It was a Saturday, and I loved every second of it. I could not get enough of Stranger Things. So I think maybe if Stranger Things was a little bit closer to the Emmys. Um but still within the time frame that it qualified, I think that would have had a better chance of doing some things, getting that award.
1: I concur with that. I think in maybe a less it's never gonna happen, but in a less um politically I don't know, radical climate. I mean where everyone's opinion is literally one hundred degrees or zero degrees mm-hmm. Celsius from each other. Um Stranger Things just hits that balance where it's a coming of age tale, it's Steven Spielberg, it's a good story. Handmaid's Tale talks about the patriarchy, and I think that was a big voting factor this year.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of was accidental talking of the, uh, the things that are going on now, because uh, this was obviously just in creation before. <sighs> Um, we got the unfortunate forty five um, so it's kind of kind of was in the right place at the right time in terms of when it was released and uh, it was wasn't reactionary in any way so
1: yeah sure I would agree with that I think that there's gonna be some shows like that in the next year two years uh, hopefully not four years <laughs> mm. uh, that will win because they have a certain political thing to say, which I'm not sure is the best, I don't know, the best way to rate a television show in terms of artistic value. I don't know. I think Westworld was cool. I think Stranger Things was cool. These are all fantastic shows. I'm not going to say Handmaid's Tale doesn't deserve to win, as I haven't seen it, and it obviously did win. It deserved to win, but it just... Westworld was visually stunning. I mean, I'm just going to defend my pick. It's visually stunning. The actors were good. The casting was good. The script was good. The music was good. Uh, I don't know if in a different climate it would have won if Handmaid's Tale didn't come out in the right place at the right time.
0: Yeah, as far as what I can see from Westworld right now, it's essentially... It feels like it was an idea for a movie, and then they're like, no, 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 no. Let's make this into, like, a 10-episode season and, you know, really try to capture some more Game of Thrones magic on HBO. Sure. I don't know if they are just yet, but they might still. I mean, it's been one season. Can't count them out yet. Um, Your girl, Elizabeth Moss, though, outstanding lead actress in a drama series. She got that statue.
1: For sure, and again, she deserves everything she gets. Um, I've always liked Robin Wright in House of Cards. Evan Rachel Wood was fantastic in Westworld. I've only heard good things about Claire Foy and The Crown, but, I mean, Elizabeth Moss is a prestige actress, and she's in a huge show that happened to be extremely poignant in the time that it came out. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's how you win an Emmy.
0: <laughs> True. Um, I... I will always cape up hard for Viola Davis and Robin Wright. Um I think both in their own way they can definitely play that um strong like female no take no shit lead. Um Evan Rachel Wood is there a Emmy for comeback actress actor of the year because she she kind of came out of nowhere to do this Westworld thing, I feel
1: like. Yeah, I definitely would have expected—I don't know—someone else uh, to be the female lead in an HBO. I mean, it was—it was their flagship show for one of the seasons. So I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, what are their other flagship shows? I mean, I guess—I mean, Game of Thrones has kind of made its own stars, but I mean, Silicon. Pretty Little Liars had um, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, she's kind of a big actress, I guess.
0: Yeah, limited series though. So, right?
1: Oh. Uh, uh, I think that they are working on season two. I saw a leak yesterday that they're gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it, but there was some uh, plot. There's. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a casting choice that pointed towards a certain plot line for season two.
0: Oh, okay. God,
1: okay. I have to be very convoluted with how I say this because I don't want to spoil it if you just started watching it.
0: For um. For Westworld. Westworld. Oh yeah. Yeah, Westworld, I'm like three episodes deep. I swear I'm going to get better at um, watching this content before I talk about it. (laughs) Um, Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Again, another show that I keep on promising myself I'm going to watch. This is Us, but Sterling K. Brown. That is my home dog from the O.J. Simpson trial show that was on FX. Um, Sterling is the man. He's great.
1: I would concur. Uh, I think I only know him from that show, but he it, it was fantastic. He was so good in that. I can't really imagine him being better in This Is Us, but, I mean, you know, you win an Emmy, that to me, I guess, would indicate that he is.
0: <laughs> Definitely flexing. Um, as far as what I've seen from Anthony Hopkins in Westworld, is he really... A lead no. actor in that show, I feel like he comes in and he pitches a few innings and then he's, you know, getting called back.
1: I would concur with that. He is very much the puppet master, but it, he's just like the quirky dude. I mean, that I think that's been pretty much the the theme of his career. For Silence of the Lambs, didn't he win Best Actor Oscar? But he was in it for like 17 minutes or some like preposterously short amount of time. Where yeah, getting lead actor, like he's just a really good actor, but he's not. He definitely gets paid by the minute.
0: Oh, for sure. So I guess we're both in agreeance. Um, Anthony Hopkins, more of a reserve player in that series so far. I mean, I I guess to me, my best best take on it is he's like the Dumbledore. Uh, He's super important. He's pulling strings behind the scenes. Um, He's an old white guy. But also, he's not the main character.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would concur with that. You'll see more as you go on. Um, we could have a Westworld pod in the future, um, Ooh, but yeah. you, you'll you'll definitely see. He, he definitely figures into it in a pretty major way.
0: Um, Kevin Spacey, though, love Kevin Spacey. House of Cards. He is, I mean, the, just the. Uh, the show wasn't so great this year but just the character that he plays um it's one of my favorite characters to watch i really like what he does with frank underwood and um just just kind of how crazy uh he can get with it
1: yeah i concur with that i think he's almost like a russell westbrook on the thunder without kevin durant where like he can bat Mixing sports metaphors, he can have just like this—he he can have a triple double every single season of House of Cards and not win the title, which I guess in this metaphor is the lead actor in a drama series Emmy. Uh, but yeah, he's always awesome. I that character Frank Underwood is fantastic. It—I I don't know how realistic it is to actual politics, but it certainly feels as cynical as politics seem these days, which is.
0: Fantastic to watch on uh, Netflix. Yes, for sure. Um, Outstanding limited series. I'm seeing big little lies here. But I loved The Night of. I was all in, 100% invested. Uh, Riz Ahmed, just, again, sports metaphor, batting a thousand in that show.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I think the pilot episode of the night of might be one of my favorite episodes of anything ever it's
0: it's so really good.
1: good um i really did like big little eyes too but i mean the night of s- scratched every itch that i have for a drama um in terms of just the acting the casting was fantastic despite um god why can't i remember his name
0: john Turturro.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, he was fantastic in it, um, despite, um, James Gandolfini having initially been cast, um, P. yeah, no kidding, uh, but they definitely filled in his spot, um, Riz Ahmed had a really big year in 2016, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about The Night Of, Big Little Eyes certainly appealed to everyone, and I think part of the reason it won is because there's so many big name actresses in it, um. I, I would still go to bat for the night of, and I think it was probably a toss up between those two shows.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, when you're talking, even initially, um, a big HBO lineup of um, James Gandolfini and Michael Kenneth Williams in there as well. Um, you knew they had, they were cooking up something special, just with having names like that in the, I guess the HBO sphere um but my my general rule with watching tv shows especially hour-long tv shows are give it at least three episodes like i need to watch three episodes if they don't have me hooked by then then i can switch to the next you know netflix show or what have you but the night of i was i was fully invested in within like the first 34 minutes like i was was, in. i needed to watch the rest
1: I remember watching that with my roommates and our jaws were we had to pick them up off the floor at the end of that first episode. Um, and I think that was one of those ones where HBO released two or released the first episode, like a week early. So we had to wait for like two weeks to get episode two and just like rewatching that pilot over and over. So maybe that's part of the reason that I'm so in on it, but uh, I think that it still is. It's so good it gave you so many threads that you had to follow through for the whole season. Riz Ahmed is just so good in it. Uh John Turturro is so good in it. And it really felt, I guess, more real in terms of the way that law enforcement deals with people of color and the way that Americans generally feel towards Muslim or Muslim-looking Americans um than any other show on television.
0: Yeah, I think that was definitely a more powerful aspect of it was having, um, you know, somebody who does actually look like Riz, um, and who I'm forgetting his name in the actual series, um, Naz, his name was Nazir Khan, um, having somebody like that as opposed to, um, you know i i hate to say it but you do get you know a lot of maybe shows or movies where it is a black person who has been uh stereotyped or who has been wrongfully convicted of something and you know we we do see that happens all the time we need to be more well aware of it but we also need to be aware that this is happening to other races of people um so it it's i think it draw more attention to not just one specific race, but more of a people of color type of uh, type of deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it doesn't hurt that it was just a fantastically produced
1: show. The yes. visuals <laughs> were stunning. It, the way that episodes ended, I mean, it, it was just such a good show. Nothing against Big Little Lies, which is also visually stunning. I just think that The Night Of was probably... Um, I guess I'd say, like, more important in terms of just the, its content in 2016 when it was on uh, than most other shows. How was it, 15? It doesn't matter. It was really good, and if you haven't watched definitely. it, you should.
0: Um, yeah, so we we definitely nailed um, a lot of these limited – a lot of the limited series talk. You know, we'd have Riz Ahmed um, caping up for him mad hard. I need I want him to have another big year. Um, he won outstanding lead actor uh, for his portrayal of Nas in the night of um, he was competing against John Turturro I think there was maybe a little bit of a feeling there that he might actually win that um I'm not sure I, I would have went either way I would have been okay with it
1: yeah uh, I like Riz Ahmed winning that one um, I that, for, for this one for me um I'm not a huge Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Um, Not really. Like, I know that he's a good actor, but I don't like his face. Uh, So John (laughs) Turturro obviously did a great job. Riz Ahmed is maybe the best um, rising star in 2016 between being in The Night Of, a fantastic miniseries, and Star Wars, and other stuff. I mean, I've seen him in plenty of stuff, and obviously having such a big role in one of the largest franchises ever uh going to elevate you. For my money, I thought Robert De Niro and Wizard of Lies uh, playing um, Bernie Madoff was, at least, he definitely deserved this nomination. I don't know if he should have won, but um, I didn't really hear too much hype about him going in, um, and it was something that I really, really liked watching.
0: Yeah, I mean... This may be a little hot takey, but I didn't like Wizard of Lies that much. I thought like De Niro was the best part of that, as he often is in movies or anything that he's really in. Um, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Excuse me. I was um yeah, Meet the Parents definitely. I was I was expecting a little bit more out of that movie. Maybe I just had high expectations, but I definitely see oh. what you mean for the nomination at least.
1: Yeah, full disclosure, I am a total sucker for financial-based dramas. So Wizard of Lies is right up my alley. The Big Short, right up my alley. Too Big to Fail, perfect movie for me. Margin Call, perfect movie for me. All of these movies are pretty much tailor-made for a nerdy-ass accounting student.
0: And I just said that Baller should have been up for best drama, so I think that kind of gives you a good idea of what corners we're in. Um, let's let's touch a little bit on, because I love all these uh, comedy series that were nominated um, for the category. And I even, I'm thinking of ones off the top of my head too that um, should have been nominated but weren't, including Brooklyn Nine-Nine that we brought up before. Um, but Veep, once again, for like the 100th year in a row, taken that crown, um, Atlanta.
1: Yeah, Atlanta deserved the win. Uh, there's no way you can argue against it uh, other than that it was on, not, H- I don't know, I feel like fewer people have access to FX than have access and interest in, like, if you have an HBO subscription, you are paying for it, and you're pretty painfully aware of it to the tune of $15 a month, so you're going to be watching HBO a lot. I mean, yeah, uh, my primary news is Vice News. I think my TV news uh, is vice news because, you know, I'm paying 15 bucks a month. I want to get my money's worth. Uh, and, I mean, you pay a little bit of money to have FX included in uh, a cable package or PSV package, but, I mean, 15 bucks a month for HBO, you better be watching it. Right. <laughs> so, so I think that plays a part. Um, I also think just because it is, like, an unabashedly, like, just black show, I mean, I, it... it is gonna appeal to f- fewer people. There, I'm sure, are the the old white guys that are voting, and they just don't like it because of that. So they're gonna vote for V, which sucks. But I, I think it's sort of just the way that um, media and TV shows are in 2017.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look down the list here, it's you can't really say that there's a, just a, a lead white generic person at the helm you know it's not I mean I'm probably going to anger a lot of people with it it's not Seinfeld dominating the early 90s or it's not friends with you know six white people sitting in a coffee shop love both hey man, those shows they're Jewish well, <laughs> but they do have uh, Judaism even though yeah, not gonna Holla. get into that. Um, love both not those joking. shows; they're great. But if you look down the list for comedy series here, you got Atlanta. You know, Donald Glover, my man, about to have another big year. Um, blackish with Anthony Anderson and um, just having his entire black family. You know, from his real wife, real life wife to lawrence fishburne which is pretty dope um master of none you have aziz uh david chang or not david chang i don't want to get that wrong let me let me Uh, look that up
1: Uh,
0: while you look that up though let me keep going on my tangent here yes please Um, do alan yang alan yang that's it David Chang (laughs) I've been been listening to much Bill Simmons David Chang uh, a a chef of some kind I know Um, modern family um, you know you have Sofia Vergara but then you also have oh yeah the um, entire
1: point is that it's a diverse modern
0: quote unquote family modern family yeah exactly and then you do have like a gay family with an adopted Asian daughter Um, maybe could have a few more African Americans in there that's just my preference but they do a good job of keeping it diverse. Silicon Valley, um, you know, Kumail Nanjiani, who's having a pretty good year himself with the big sick. Um, yeah, for
1: sure. I think that that show does have it. Probably employs more Indian Americans, Indian, whatever, if they're not Americans, people that from India that than most shows, mostly because I think there's more Indian Americans, Indian people uh, in tech and in Silicon Valley, the place. Uh, which informs Silicon Valley, the TV show.
0: Yeah, and they, they do actually do a pretty good job of integrating women in the show, even though they don't generally play a main role. Um, because uh, Silicon Valley is a boys' club for the most part. For um, sure. You can't forget Jin Yang. <laughs> Jin Yang, great character. Um, one of the I'm best Stereotype, there. my goodness. <laughs> a little bit yeah but one of my favorite things about that show too is that when they do have women on that show it's not you know these four or five guys in this house trying to you know nail the hot vc or you know hook up with the one pretty tech girl who can you know look like a a 10 out of 10 but still be able to code for an entire i don't work for Silicon Valley. So you, you can tell I don't know anything about coding but
1: Code um, the whatever.
0: Code the whatever. Um but yeah, that's that's what I like best about that show is that these women actually serve a functional purpose rather than being a prop for the men or for the like the lead actor to kind of pursue. Um <clears throat> Unbreakable yep. Kimmy Schmidt. Main character's Kimi Schmidt kinda of speaks for itself but veep the consummate winner in this category as we you know kind of talked on over and over julia louis dreyfus one of the great talents of this generation um she's been helming that show for years now um she's over 50 years old still looks great she looks amazing she looks like she could do this for another couple decades yet still doing veep
1: yeah Um, she is foxy just straight up she's great looking
0: not gonna lie not gonna lie um but she is also very like she's a talented and funny person who's been doing this since seinfeld um to bring it full circle uh she's been dominating like two decades now so three decades yeah a (laughs)
1: well-deserved win um just to touch on silicon valley again i think that the one thing about that show as compared to like an atlanta or blackish is they'll um they'll focus on kind of it almost feels like the tv trope of the hot girl and they will exploit that i mean they'll, there was a whole episode where or not a whole episode one of the subplots because that's what they do the a b and c plot on one episode uh was that one of the vcs was um, invited to a party only because she is a woman which at least they kind of acknowledge it in that show, whereas I think yeah. a lot of network comedies just sort of, they don't take it for granted per se, but, I mean, the only reason that they have some actresses on the show is just because they're eye candy versus actually making them an integral part of the plot.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the brilliance with some shows like that where they actually, um, they can get a little bit meta and they they give a little bit of a nod and a wink to recognizing um a certain scenario like that um i think the first thing i thought of when you talked about you know your classic sitcom tropes of just like the hot girl um is the absolute worst i hate this show the anti-silicon valley which is the big bang theory um
1: f that show to death dude Oh my god, how are they making the young Sheldon? How is that a thing? I'm like the most mad about that.
0: I get like physically upset every time I see a commercial for that. It makes me not want to watch football on CBS.
1: One of my girlfriend's friends said that she was a fan of the Big Bang Theory and I told my girlfriend I don't want to hang out with her anymore and (laughs) we don't.
0: I mean, that's as valid a reason as any. I think you kind of know what kind of moral compass she has. Um, she's a nerd (laughs) it does bring me to I see Kaylee Cuoco and it's been like 10 years since that show's been on and ever since she's been on that show she's kind of turned into a you know she is a beautiful woman but she's also just kind of that beautiful woman who shows up in advertisements now to sell your product and um she's still not really nailing any sort of roles in movies that I've seen I mean I don't want to like bash Kaylee Cuoco too much but I think they might be using her in kind of a negative way and it's really kind of hurting her stock and maybe pigeonholing her as a female set piece to these nerds who are trying to impress their beautiful women in their life
1: yeah, I'm done talking about Big Big Bang Theory.
0: Yeah, let's move on from Big Bang Theory. Um, I think. I mean, as I have it's,
1: one note, if you want, if you want to talk about it, um, I was looking. I'm sorry, I should probably let you answer before I start.
0: Oh no, go ahead. I I was gonna say I think um that's pretty much all we talked a lot about the actors individually and. Uh, things of that nature I want to shout out Donald Glover again for winning for Atlanta he's got two Emmys two Emmy award winner Donald Glover the next thing he needs is um, maybe a few Grammy. Grammys maybe an Oscar or so um, but what were you what were you gonna ask uh, as to Donald Glover he
1: could he got super easily like for sure oh he's, he's that talented maybe, maybe the most talented person in media he just can do everything and it's all brilliant Mm-hmm. I, he wrote for Thirty Rock, one of the funniest shows I've ever watched. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he deserves every award they can, every award he can carry. I guess.
0: Yeah, I've seen him in concert twice too, under his pseudo name, um, Childish Gambino. I would, damn, I would love to see him with his new album. But um, he's he's a showman too. There are shows that you don't forget when he is performing. Um, so I can definitely see him being able to take his talents on a stage on Broadway and being able to do something like that. And he's uh, a person that's a creative being, you know, he left community because he wanted to basically just create more um, artistic work. So I can definitely see him, um, you know, testing the bounds of his creativity by producing a play or doing a musical or something like that
1: for sure i feel like he could do something like a hamilton or something i mean he writes raps he could very easily do something like that around the 2016 election for instance i think would be pretty good source material or anything i mean he's he's so talented and i'm really excited to see what he does next
0: yes we love donald glover dg
1: so what i was going to say um slightly, it's a little bit of a digression. Uh, in terms of the Variety Talk series, I was looking at all the nominees, so there's Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, The Late Late Show with James Corden, Real Time with Bill Maher, Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, I noticed that three of those people, Colbert, John Oliver, Samantha Bee, are all alumnuses, alumni, I guess. Duh, this is the perfect. Um, uh, we're on The Daily Show with John Stewart, and it's just Crazy to me that that show has birthed so many. I mean, really popular, acclaim-winning stars. I mean, usually you think, okay, what show has all these successful people? And it's like SNL or like a like a Mickey Mouse Club or something. But John Oliver and Stephen Colbert and Samantha Bee were all students of of John Stewart. And um, I don't know. It's very interesting to me how influential he's been over the years in terms of people getting information about politics and more lighthearted news and just information via these types of programs versus standard news and I think that's all because of John Stewart who I miss on TV dearly.
0: I do miss Jon Stewart. Um, I think given the current political climate he would have been the most like important person on television, like right yeah. now. I mean he I the other ones are great. But down. Yes, exactly. John Stewart would have been appointment viewing. Um although Trevor Noah is growing on me, um I, I definitely like him um a little bit more every time I watch, but man I like I, that he's an outsider
1: perspective and I like that he is a stand up so he can kinda go off the cuff and Can do a little bit less serious jokes and more serious disses, whereas Jon Stewart, especially towards the end of his tenure, really almost seemed like a Bill O'Reilly, not in terms of spectrum, obviously, but in terms of almost what he was saying. It was more serious than it was comedic, even though he did get his digs in, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that kind of gave him a little bit more credibility um, to do so rather than... um, you know, just making jokes at the expense of America for the most part. <laughs> for sure, um, and I
1: mean, John Stewart was at his best when America was at its worst. I mean, during the Iraq War, during Hurricane Katrina. I mean, it was very, very during nine eleven. It was very grounding to go and watch John Stewart, this comedian, just talk about all these very important issues, but like, kind of trying to make you laugh, but kind of try to inform you, call bullshit when he sees it. I mean, I think that his pupils have really carried out his legacy well, but again, I can't say how m- much I miss John Stewart on the air, and I hope that he's doing something, or something's in the works that brings him back to the public eye.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's at least working on that beard. Um, we love you, John Stewart. Come back to us. You we too, Barack you. Obama. Come back to us, too. We miss um, you more. <laughs> uh, we got to go, though. Um, so I think that's uh, a good place to stop. I got to wrap this up and we should get this publishing going. Um, anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rajpodge, R O G underscore I D G E. Uh, I don't really tweet anything important, it's mostly just me bullshitting and trying to be funny. Uh, there will be a lot of stuff on there this week specifically about how bummed I am about that Packers game, but um, usually just sports and bullshit and politics-related stuff. And uh, as always, just check us out on DefinePrint on uh, Medium.com.
0: Yeah, go check us out there. That's where we can kind of get our, our content out on the topics that we truly want to discuss in a little bit more depth and detail, um, some analysis there. Uh, good plug with the Twitter. I don't think I've plugged my Twitter yet on this. Um, it's at Jordan, J O R D A N, underscore Smith27. Um, I tweet way too much and I retweet a lot, um, just trying to pass along important information. Uh, you can catch me at acmepackingcompany.com, Green Bay Packers blog, or faketeams.com, uh, fantasy sports affiliate, um, both those through SB Nation. Um Well, thanks for coming on, Roger. I think this was a great conversation. We're gonna have to get on again, uh, maybe hit some more movie topics next time.
1: Oh, I love that. That sounds fun. Thanks for having me. This was a uh, well, it was a blast.
0: Yeah, you bet uh, hoping to have you on as a regular co-host. Uh, thank you all for listening to Pod Chat. Um, any sort of topics or discussion points you want us to hit on this podcast uh, hit us up on twitter that's why we give you our handles Uh, in the meantime let's play us out with ryan McCrum.